Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Get this. And it will change your life forever. How we view God will affect our attitude in serving him. If you view God as a God that wants to make it hard for you, wants you to gospel, gonna judge you because you're not good, you got it wrong. You got it totally wrong. Remember, everything we are and everything we had is a gift from God to us. How can I not praise him regardless Many people have difficulty with the idea of serving God because of the judgmental God they think he is in the Old Testament. What they don't realize is that the mean old God of the Old Testament is the same one who sent Jesus in the New Testament. Pastor Mark will be teaching about our need to view God as he says he is, not as we think he is. We need to understand how God thinks and feels about us and how much he loves us. Once we get a grip on that, it will change both the way we relate to God and how we treat other people, and we'll want to tell them about Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke, chapter 19, with part two of his message, Jesus Corrects Wrong Expectations. You're an unbeliever. You're presented the gospel that Jesus died for you. You come down here at our altars or wherever. You watch the Harvest Crusade last week. Somebody shares with you and they lead you to Christ. When the first step coming to Christ, accepting him, asking forgiveness, and we'll give you an opportunity to do that in this service as we always do. What happens? You're converted to Christianity from being a non-believer. That first step is always convert. You become a convert. Is that where it ends? No. What's the next step? Starts with a D. Discipleship. Learner under discipline. We grow to become like him. We grow to think like Jesus, to minister like Jesus, and to go in the world and share the gospel as Jesus did. Now, how do we know that? Well, before Jesus left, he gave us the Great Commission. Let me read it to you. Then he gave us the Great Empowerment. See, we can't do this without being filled with the Spirit. So let me read to you the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples. First thing is going to be make converts, share the gospel with them. Then make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I command you to. That's exactly what I'm doing today. That's what I do every week. That's what the pastors do here. Teaching everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you. You're not doing this alone to the very end of this age until I come back. So discipleship is a lifelong adventure of being like Jesus. Let's go back and look at this. 
put this money to work, verse 13, until I come back. Some people have the wrong expectation that Jesus is never going to come back. Is anybody glad that Jesus is coming back? Okay. God, the ones that didn't clap, wait longer for them. Would you, God? Let me try it one more time. In this place of amazing, mature believers filled with the Spirit, is anybody glad that Jesus is coming back? Hallelujah! Does this world need it? We go to a ball field. Lord, help us. You go to England and you see that building. Don't you almost cry when you see the What? Let me tell you something. I'm ready for an amen now. Because I don't want to do what I just did again. And you don't want me to do it. <laughs> Understand something. We are the only ones that have the good news. Yeah. You know, we say, they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Nobody has the answer to the world. The answer to this world is Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And outside here, they do not know it. But you don't have to go to the Middle East. You can just walk out the doors. They don't know. That's why Jesus said, go work at it. Come on, let's expand the kingdom of God. Jesus said that to his disciples 2,000 years ago. But how does that fit us? Well, he hasn't come back yet. So here we are 2,000 years later. We're doing the same thing. Now, I'm to be sharing the gospel until maybe my death, your death, will come before he comes back. We don't know. Or maybe the rapture will come. We don't know when that would be, but he doesn't come to earth then. That's just in the sky. So this parable is really about the second coming. So until I die or the second coming comes, what am I to be doing? Working the business, sharing the gospel every single day. One of us, no exceptions, every single Christ follower. Look at verse 14. There's some people who were listening to Jesus, religious leaders and other Jews. Watch what he says. But his subjects hated him and sent the delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Well, who would that be? Well, the subjects were the Jewish Religious leaders, specifically. But it wasn't just them saying that. It was all the unbelieving Jews who weren't following Jesus. You remember what happened? Jesus one day said this, I came to my own first, the Jewish people, but they totally rejected me. That's who he's talking about. The Jewish people, the Jewish leaders were saying, we don't care when you're coming back, you're not the Messiah. We're not interested in you at all. Notice the word. We hate you. Christianity is always about a warfare between God and Satan. Now, Satan is not equal to God, but he fights against God and anything. He hates people becoming believers. He hated Jesus and these Jewish people are basically saying, we're not interested. I don't know who you are, but you're not our king. Now, verse 15. He was made king, however, 
and he returned home. So let me just stop you right there, okay? Let's follow through. He went to the cross, resurrected, spent some time with his disciples, went to heaven. When he got into heaven, he was made king, Jesus. He's on the throne today, king of kings and lord of lords. And then he comes back. So this is the second coming. It hadn't happened for the disciples. It hasn't happened for us. But he's showing us what's in store for your future and my future. He came back as king of kings. Now, watch what happens. Because this affects every single Christian. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money. Notice this last sentence. In order to find out what they had gained with it. What is that? It's a judgment. It's a time to go, okay, I gave you the opportunity to share the gospel. All these years, how did you do? Let's examine. Tell me what was happening in your life. You see, this means I'm going to give an account to God one day, and I'll show you where that is, as how I did. Serving him. Remember, there's expectations. People say, well, if I get to heaven, I could care less about it. Uh, Sorry. You're going to give an account to God of how you obeyed him, how you grew like him, how you use your time, your talents, your abilities. It's not about salvation. We're in heaven. But there is a judgment day coming. Let me show you what that looks like. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must say the next word with me. All. Does that include anybody I'm speaking to? It includes every Christian. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment for believers and a judgment for unbelievers that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in his body, while alive, whether good or bad. Now, again, it's not about sin, but we're going to be judged and rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. That means God's interested in how we're serving him. How are we doing as stewards, taking care of that which he's given us? In the end, what does that look like? When you were born, God gifted you. He gave you talents, money, time, all those kind of things. And here, this particular parable is about the gospel. So here's God's basically potential for you. And here we are. Our goal here on earth is to close the gap and get as close as we can to his potential. Meet what he wants us to do. Now, nobody will ever get here. Only Jesus got there. The rest of us are going to be out here somewhere. Okay, that's our goal, to get close. So ask yourself this morning, are you interested in the lost? And you'll see in a moment, someone's not interested in the lost at all. So our goal is, this is the judgment. And we'll be rewarded for that because we did what our master asked us to do. So here he's going to go. There's 10 servants, but Jesus only breaks it down to three in the end. So watch this. Look at verse 16. The first one came and said, Sir, circle this word in your Bible. Your mina has earned 10 more. Now, here's what many Christians get confused with today. Notice this man didn't say, Jesus, here's my mina. Well, it has to be mine. You gave it to me. No, it isn't his. Notice what he says. Here's your mina and what I did with it. So look at this. 
most believers today, until they're taught the scriptures, think everything they are and everything they have is theirs. That's an old sin nature. When you have a little child, how soon do you see a sin nature in a little child? Very soon. What is the word they go? Mine. And it extends to 80-year-olds. Mine. But I want to read you scripture. Take a look at this. This is directly from the Old Testament Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So what do I want you to write this morning? What I want you to believe? What this servant said. Here's your mina. Here it is. Everything we are and have are simply gifts from God. We're to invest who we are and what we have for the kingdom of God. It's not ours. Your money is not your money. Your talent is your, the talent God's given me is not my talent. He takes away in a moment. You wouldn't want to hear me for five minutes. Hashtag it. God owns it all. He's a good giver. Amen. So everything you and I have, it's his. This man knew it. Look what happens. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. I'll explain that in a moment. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. So the first servant came and reported a tremendous gain, 10 times what he was entrusted with, 10 times. The second servant also had a great gain, five times the original amount. And Jesus acknowledges the faithfulness and commendation with what? This is the hard part for us. More service, more work. The faithful servants obeyed because they trusted their master and they wanted to please him. So what does that look like? Well, here's what it is. Look at this. God rewards faithful and productive servants with more responsibility. Pastor Mark, if I work hard for God, is there not a day I can retire and forget that stuff? I mean, don't I get a promotion? Yes, you do get a promotion. But we work hard until he... Come on, till he comes. Uh, uh, do I have to spell it for you? Till he comes back. I work hard. And the more I invest and the investment is great, the more responsibility he gives me. Now, I'll explain that in a moment because some of you are going, I don't think I like that. No, that's because we live in a crazy world here. The greater opportunities to serve God are when, right now. See, My opportunity is today because Jesus has still not come back. The time we're living in, all of us right here, he hasn't come back. So I'm to be busy about his kingdom until he comes back. So for my time, it's now till I die or until the rapture comes and I'm gone or till the second coming. So that's where we are today. Think about this. When Jesus comes back, what he's talking about here to set up his new kingdom, he's going to give the people that were very effective, cities to rule over. Now, 
notice what that means. That means when God comes back, this world is going to be changed. And if we've been effective, we're going to have more work in administrating, helping Jesus during the millennium, keep things in order and do all those kind of things. Now, remember, 10 cities and five cities. What city would you like to manage? I'm thinking Tahiti myself. I'm not sure what you're thinking. Maybe Mims. Probably not. Now, I know some of you are saying like this, Pastor Mike, this doesn't make any sense. If I'm effective, I have to work harder again. By the way, is it work to share the gospel? You're wrong. It is definitely work. Because you have to pray. You have to say something. They go, not interested. And then you have to go, okay, I'm not going to get discouraged. It is work. Remember, he said, work. It is work. Now, it's not bad work. Work is not bad. Work is good. It was developed in the garden before sin. Do you know that people that retire early and don't find something that's successful to put their time to? You know what they do? You all know what they do. They die early. Because we were made to be effective. You say, well, I understand that, but what about in this spiritual aspect that Jesus is saying here? Let me show you this. One day, Jesus went to Samaria. And that was work for him because the Samaritans didn't like the Jews and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And when he went there, he met a woman at the well. You remember the story. And the disciples went off to get lunch. And when they came back, they saw him talking to the woman. She had accepted Christ. She went into the town. Here comes a whole town out to hear Jesus do some more work. And they're trying to give him lunch. They're trying to give Jesus, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing. You're working too hard. You need to have some lunch. You haven't had anything to eat. The falafels are here. Come on, come on. We're ready. And I want you to see what Jesus said. This is where we have to get the right attitude. Here it is. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. What was Jesus saying? He was saying this. When this woman came to salvation and when she went to the town and all these people are coming back to hear the gospel, I just had a buffet spiritually. I'm full up. Let's see, when you and I get that, when we understand that doing the will of God and the work of God is amazing, we can understand why God says, when you're productive, I'm going to reward you with more work, more opportunities to share the gospel, more opportunities to tell people what God can do in their life. I want you to write this down. If you'll catch this today, then, in essence, like many of you said, sharing the gospel isn't work, and yet it is hard work. Look at this statement. We get purpose and fulfillment from doing what God calls us to do. If you're not doing the will of God, you're never going to be satisfied. You'll run to this and that and the other. You have to wait for God to tell you, okay, do this. Can you imagine if I, this morning, I love to do what God asked me to do? Is it work? So go ahead and say no. Yeah, I just sit around and golf and go to the beach every day. No, what you're hearing this morning is about 25 hours of work. I know it doesn't sound like it because I'm a very simple guy, slow. Now, what if I said this morning, 
you know what? I have something for you, but it didn't work out too good. I only spent an hour. Would everybody like to stand and give a testimony, please? Or, can't wait to get through this service. God, I'm so tired of doing this. Would you be here? No, you wouldn't be here. Our work is to do his will. And then we're fantastically alive. After three services on a weekend, people say, Pastor Art, are you tired in the afternoon? Oh, of course not. A sermon is equal to eight hours of manual labor, in case you don't know. But there's spiritual stuff happening. And when I go home, I don't ever take a nap on the afternoon Sundays. I'm excited because I'm already starting working for next weekend. Why? Because that's what God gave me to do. See, there's energy that God will give you. You know it. You guys are amazing as you serve all over the place. Don't think at all that you can just kind of, well, just be a lazy Christian and you'll be fulfilled. Never. Never. Look at verse 20. Here's an example of the opposite. Then another servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. What is wrong with this servant? This is incredibly important. He didn't know the character of God. How could he say, you're a hard man. You're not a fair businessman. He had forgotten God's kindness and goodness. Who gave him the 10 to start with? It was the master. He gave them the ability. He gave them the opportunity. He gave them responsibility. But he didn't obey him. He did not put it to work. He didn't expand anything. Remember, God is loving, holy, wise, gracious, compassionate, merciful, kind, forgiving, 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 long-suffering, slow to anger, faithful, and more and more and more and more. Here's what I want you to write this morning. Get this, and it will change your life forever. How we view God will affect our attitude in serving him. If you view God as a God that wants to make it hard for you, wants you to gospel, going to judge you because you're not good, you got it wrong. You got it totally wrong. Remember, everything we are and everything we had is a gift from God to us. How can I not praise him regardless? By the way, we're going to heaven. How are you getting there? Because of God's faithfulness. Remember the word I used four times? Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Anybody use forgiveness this week? Receive it from God. Could I see your hand? The rest of you need to get saved right now because you're lying. Or you haven't asked him. The altar will be open shortly. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us that we can have wrong expectations about what it is to be a follower of Christ. If we think the only reason Jesus went through what he did so that we could have fire insurance, we are wrong. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. 
Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, we'll complete the message, Jesus Corrects Wrong Expectations. Hopefully, if we have some wrong expectations concerning Jesus, Pastor Mark's teaching will clarify things for us. We'll finish the parable that Jesus has been telling and hear the importance of having and maintaining the correct heart attitude in regards to serving Christ. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving